So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. And this, the 10th of July, it's the 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley, and help me to present this podcast again today. Shane Ambrose, good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Good. Nice to hear your voice, Shane, coming from, what, five and a half thousand miles away. Well done. That's approximately, yeah, that's approximately it. So this week, I'm joining you from Monrovia in Liberia. Uh, well, the only thing I can say about that, Shane, it, it's, I'd say it's a bit different to Ballybunion, is it? <laughs> just a small bit. Listen, it's lovely to hear you, and thanks a lot for for taking time out to, to join us, Shane. Um, I know you you join me in welcoming those listeners of us of ours who are housebound and lonely and struggling, and those who keep us in prayer each week. And we both know that without those, we can't do much with this podcast. Just to remind listeners again, a podcast does include interviews on faith topics, inspirational music, and reflection on the Sunday Gospel. All of our podcasts can be heard at comeandseeinspirations.budspread.com. That's comeandseeinspirations.budspread.com. Also, historically, on our blog, sacredspace102.blogspot.com. And also on Spotify and iTunes. And also, we do have a presence on Facebook at Come and See Inspirations. If you'd like to contact us, and please do, you're invited to text us on 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. International number 003538760886867. And of course, you can email us and come and see inspirations at gmail.com. Now, Shane, you're going to share some signs for the week with us, please? Yeah, so in terms of our celestial guides for this week, John, um, as you said at the top of the podcast, today, of course, is the 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time, so we're into the 15th week in Ordinary Time. For those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week three. And we have a couple of interesting saints on the calendar this week, including a couple of very familiar saints. And again, as we move through the month of July, we have another royal saint as well this week. So first up, uh, we wish our neighbours in Glenstall a happy feast day on Monday because the 11th of July is the feast day of St. Benedict of, uh, Narcissa, of Narcissa, uh, Nursia even, uh, who of course is most famously known as the writer of the order of the, of the rule of St. Benedict, which is the rule of which Benedictine monasteries uh, operate under. Uh, and it's an interesting one, John. Benedictine monasteries aren't aren't in of themselves an order like we would understand the Franciscans or the Dominicans. Each each monastery is autonomous to a certain extent, although they are bound up in federations. So, our feast day on Monday is Saint Benedict. He's the patron of uh, one of the patrons of Europe and also of Western of Western monasticism. We celebrate his feast day on the 11th of July because that's the date of the translation of his relics. He actually died on the 21st of March. He was of Roman nobility, twin to Saint Scholastica, and while studying in Rome, became dismayed uh, with life in the eternal city and fled to the mountains, living as a, her- as a hermit in a cave for three years, but eventually was his, his virtues became well known and he was asked to lead the monastery at Monte Cassino where he wrote the rule of his order. Um, and, he, you know, so he, it's his famous, fam- one of the famous saints of Europe in many ways. And it's generally kind of said, like, you know, the rule of St. Benedict is one of the things that 
Uh, he studied in law schools around the world in terms of giving a summation of, of, of life in a community, which can be summed up, I suppose, as prayer and work. So St. Benedict died in 547 and was canonized in 2020. Uh, Tuesday is the feast day of St. John Jones. Now, this is one of the 40 saints, sorry, 30 martyrs of England and Wales. He's a Franciscan saint. Um, he, his monastery was dissolved in 1559. He's of Catholic Welsh extraction. And after his monastery was dissolved, he traveled to France where he study and then he was ordained in France. He returned to work with Catholic prisoners arrested for the crime of being a priest, he escaped to the continent. He lived in France for a while, and then he returned to England again in 1592. He was arrested and imprisoned for two years, and he was convicted for tre the treason of being a Catholic priest. Uh, so he died, he was hung, drawn, and quartered in 1598 at Southwark in London. Um, so, and he's, he, was, he was canonized in 1970 as one of the 40 martyrs of England well by Pope Paul VI. So then on Wednesday, John, we have the feast day of St. Henry II. Henry, of course, is um, one of the royal saints that we have in July. He was a Duke of Bavaria, and he's, uh, he's educated and all the rest, given that he came from royalty. He became the Duke of Bavaria himself in 995, and he ascended, he, was, he became the Holy Roman Emperor in 10, uh, 1002. Um, he was he he did marry, but they they never had children. Um, although some sources claim he lived a celibate life, there's no evidence. And um, he was crowned Holy Roman Emperor in 1014 by Pope Benedict the Eighth, and he was the last of the Saxon dynasty of, of emperors. Um, so it's he's one of those. It's just one of those royal saints, and generally seen as he was. a Saint, he's a patron saint of many places in Germany, as you can imagine. Uh, also against sterility. And child, he's a patron saint of childless people. And he had a limp. So he's also said to be the patron saint of those with disabilities. So that's St. Henry II. Uh, then on the 14th of July, we celebrate on the Irish calendar St. Coleman of Clarence. Um, this is an interesting one, John. We go from one extreme to the other. So we know all about Henry, but this man we know absolutely nothing about. His name appears on several ancient martyrologies, and some places may have been named after him, but no information about this saint has survived. Then on Friday, we have the feast day of St. Bonaventure. Bonaventure, of course, is one of the great doctors of the church. Um, again, a Franciscan saint. We sent a few of those this month. Um, studied in Paris friend of Thomas Aquinas, became general of the Franciscan order at the age of 2035, you know, wrote hugely in terms of scriptures, theology, philosophy, a biography of St. Francis, um, and he eventually died in 1274 at Lyon in France of natural causes. So that's St. Bonaventure, and he's known as the, the devout doctor, as he's one of the doctors of the church. And finally, John, next Saturday, on the 16th of July, we have the feast day of Our, of our Lady of Mount Carmel. And in particular, the feast celebrates Our Lady under her title of Mount Carmel, but in particular, the scapular of Mount Carmel, um, of course, which many people will know as the, the brown scapular. Um, the devotion, of course, is, is, is very much associated with the Carmelite, Carmelite or, or congregations, both of them, the Order O'Carms and OC, OCDs. 
And generally, it's attributed to um, our lady Setters given to St. Simon Stock. Um, Receive my son this scapular of thy order as a distinctive sign of my confraternity and the mark of the privilege which I have obtained for thee and the children of Carmel. So, she, uh, so that is the that is the feast day that we celebrate uh, next Saturday, and we wish happy feast day to all of the Carmelites. That's we have John in terms of this week's uh, celestial guides. Shane, thank you very much, Neil, for sharing that with us. So now we might go for our prayer space, uh, just a, a short prayer before we go for our first bit of music. This week, I picked um, I picked a prayer about vocations and vocations. Almighty God, you have called us through baptism to discipleship with your Son, Jesus Christ. And you have sent us to bring good news of salvation to all peoples. We pray that those whom God is calling from our community to serve him in priesthood, religious life, may respond with generosity and faith, and that they may receive support, encouragement and spiritual nourishment for the seed of their vocation in their families and our wider parish community. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now we go for our first bit of music this morning. Nice little piece by Chris Tomlinson, and this one is called Come, Now is the Time to Worship. Join us again in part two of our podcast today, where we'll continue uh, with uh, Bishop Barron. Uh, we're again uh, playing some of his homilies, uh, which he recorded after Easter, from the book of Revelation. And today's um, episode is entitled Rescued from the Depths. So join us again in part two. Now is the time to worship Come Now is the time to give your heart Come Just as you are to worship Just as you are before your God. One day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Time to worship. Come. Now is the time to give your heart. Oh, come. Just as you are to worship. Come. Just as you are. Every tongue will confess you are God One day every 
So welcome back again to part two of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And this week we continue to share Bishop Robert Barron's reflections on the book of Revelations, which he gave at his homilies after Easter this year. This week's episode is entitled Rescued from the Depths. We'll finish this part of our podcast with a piece of music by the Maranatha singers entitled I Want to Praise You, Lord. Peace be with you. Friends, on this fifth Sunday of Easter, we continue our reading of the book of Revelation. The church gives us excerpts from this final book of the Bible all during the Easter season. Now we leap, last time we were in chapter 7, for today we leap all the way to chapter 21, which is right toward the end of the book of Revelation, which means the end of the whole Bible. We have to be attentive, therefore, to what I call the arc of the story. So the whole Bible begins with, with creation out of the watery chaos, and it's going to end now with the sea disappearing. So a new creation emerging. So just keep that in mind. But let me spend just a little bit of time filling in some of those blanks between chapter 7 and chapter 21. So we saw the whole book, Revelatio, Apocalypsis, is all about unveiling. Something new has appeared. What's appeared? The lamb standing as though slain. Jesus crucified but risen from the dead who's now the true Lord, the one whom we should worship. So the worship of the Lamb in the heavenly place is a sign now of a reconstituted world, no longer worshiping worldly idols and worldly powers and goods, but rather honoring and worshiping the Lamb standing as though slain. That leads to the right ordering of God's creation. We saw last week so beautifully the play between the army of Rome, this mighty army, which represents worldly power, but it's confronted by the true army, the army of the lamb standing as though slain, those 144,000 marked with a tattoo like the members of the Roman army, and then behind them this huge crowd that no one could count. That's the army of the martyrs across the ages. So this is the army, if you want, of the new order of things, God's way of ordering things. Now, in between all that and chapter 21, which is toward the very end, there's a lot of destruction in the book of Revelation. We hear about earthquakes and floods and famine and blood and destruction. And people often focus on those sections of the book. You know, when we say something is apocalyptic, we we usually mean that section. Let me just make a quick comment about all that. We know from, from the revelation of Jesus, our God is not a God of violence. It's God of love, whose whole purpose is to bring us back into friendship with him. That's God's entire purpose. God is not like a raging, alcoholic, dysfunctional parent. Please don't think of it that way. People often take the God of the Old Testament, too, and say, oh, there's God, this raging, this rageaholic. No, no, no. 
God has a passion to set things right. You know, sometimes if you come into a room, it's just kind of a disaster. Let's say that there's been a flood or something, and the room is just a disaster. Well, your purpose is to remake it, to make it beautiful again and habitable again. But what you have to do, you have to destroy a lot of the destruction. You got to get rid of the, the muck and the mud and, and, and the debris and, and the damaged furniture. You got to do a lot of the kind of aggressive work just to prepare the room for its restoration. Can I suggest that's a metaphor? That's a, a, maybe the rubric under which we can read all these accounts of God's you know, destructive activity. It's God clearing out the debris of the fallen world. Can I put it that way? Sin and death have left behind chaos in their wake. And you can see it. Just look around our culture. Look around our world. You see the signs of this, of this, all the debris of that world. God's about the business of clearing that out. Because he's angry and destructive? No. Think of this. A no to a no is a yes. What's God doing? He's saying yes to the new creation. But to do that, he has to say no to the distortions of the old fallen world. Does that make sense? So all of the, all of the plagues and, and, the, and the bowls filled with God's wrath and the fire and destruction, think of it as the cleansing, the purifying of the old world. All of which is preparing for this recreation this new heavens and new earth. Now, let me just read to you what we have in our passage today. Beginning of chapter 21, listen. Then I, this is John speaking, the visionary on Patmos. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Okay, marvelous passage packed with biblical meaning. Can I suggest we start with that last observation? The sea was no more. Remember what I just told you about the arc of the story? The whole Bible begins when God brings the world, the ordered, harmonious cosmos, into existence. And it says at the beginning of Genesis, his spirit hovered over the tohu vabohu in Hebrew which means the watery chaos. Out of this watery chaos, God brings the good order of his created world. This becomes now an interpretive key, everybody, for the entire Bible. The tohu vabohu stands for all that's opposed to God's creative intention. And he brings order and harmony out of it. That's God's business. That's God's work. What's the whole biblical story? It's the story of God facing down the reemergence of this tohu vabohu. Think of the story of the flood. We hear about sin now expressing itself all over the earth. Well, that's symbolized in the great waters of the flood. But God sends a rescue operation, Noah's Ark, is a place where a microcosm of God's good order can be preserved. It's a microcosm of the good heavens and the good earth, even in the midst of the watery chaos. 
God sends a rescue operation in the form of a people, Israel. Over and against the tohu vabohu of sin, he forms a people according to his own heart. He gives them law, he gives them liturgy, he gives them covenant, he gives them prophecy. All these are the institutions by which the watery chaos is held off. But yet it reasserts itself, doesn't it? Think of slavery in Egypt. Think of battles against the Philistines and the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Greeks and the Romans. Those are all expressions of the watery chaos making its way back. Ah, but God continues to send a rescue operation. One of his most powerful is the temple in the holy city. The temple, the place of right praise. The temple, the dwelling place of God. These are all the rescue operations that the God of Israel sends to hold off the watery chaos. But what's his definitive rescue operation? In the fullness of time, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Where did the Father send the Son? Into our world, into our humanity, yeah. But all the way down, all the way into the dysfunction of sin, all the way down into death itself. Think of the downward journey of the Son of God, all the way to death on the cross. Is God going all the way to the very bottom of the tohu vabohu, all the way down to the bottom of the watery chaos, that he might rescue us who had fallen into those depths? Now in the resurrection, the Son of God returning in the Spirit to the Father, bringing with him the world that he has re made. Now, now, everybody, in light of that little review of salvation history, but see, I think it's important because this is the arc of the story. From the tohu vabohu at the beginning, God battling it in different ways, but then finally finding a definitive victory over it in his son. With all that in mind, revisit these lines. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. You know, I, I live by the sea here in Santa Barbara, and I go up and down this, this 101 expressway all the time. So I go by the Pacific Ocean all the time. I love to go for walks along the Pacific Ocean. I, I love the sea. And, you know, poets and writers and songwriters have waxed poetic about the beauty of the sea for a long time. And indeed it is. But notice something. In the Bible, you don't find that. They, they didn't wax romantic about the sea. They saw the sea as a symbol of, of, of chaos. And, you know, we can just fly over the ocean easily. We can have these great ships that ply the waves very easily. But imagine in the ancient world, when you couldn't just fly over the ocean and, and the boats were dangerous and leaky, of course the, the sea was, was chaotic and frightening and dangerous. You were happy you were finally on dry land. And so you get it. You get it why the sea is, is evocative of all that's wrong. And so we hear in this passage that the sea was no more. That's a symbol for finally sin and death and all their powers have been dealt with. God has effected his remaking of the world. Now, that's where the new heaven and the new earth come in. God has, has 
cleaned out the old world. There's all those destructive parts of the book of Revelation. God has done his, his cleansing operation. He's dealt in Christ with the tohu vabohu. The sea is no more. And so now we're ready for a remaking of the world. You know, I've said this many times to you before, Christianity is not a platonic system. We don't hold that, well, this world has kind of fallen and, uh, and imperfect, and so let's try to get away from it as quickly as possible. Let's hope that our souls escape from our bodies and go to some better place. Well, that might be a platonic or a Gnostic fantasy, but it's not biblical. The biblical idea is rather the resurrection of the body, listen now, as part of a renewal of all of God's creation. Go back to the beginning. God created the world and he found it good. And he found the ensemble of it very good. Yes, the tohu vabohu reasserted itself. That's the power of sin and death. But God has fought it. And he finally fought it all the way down. So now the sea is no more. And he's in the position now to make a new heavens and a new earth. Now, I'll leave you with the last thought here because it's really, it, it's challenging as well as liberating. He's giving us, his followers, the privilege of cooperating with that work. So yeah, it's God's work to deal with sin and death and to remake the world, but he's giving us the privilege. We who are grafted onto his son, listen, we who've joined the army of the lamb standing as though slain, we've got the responsibility and privilege now of helping to create this new world. We do it by our praise. We do it by our acts of love. We do it by our care for the poor. Beautiful. This is how, everybody, the Bible comes to its fulfillment. God has done his great work. So now, let's join forces with him as the new heavens the new earth are coming into being. And God bless you.
So welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And this is the part of the programme where we read and reflect on the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. Before that, there's always a prayer we pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture, and I'll pray that this morning. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively and humbly, May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often capable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wonder. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So the Gospel for today is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. There was a lawyer who, to disconcert Jesus, stood up and said to him, Master, what must I do to inherit, inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? He replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. You have answered right, said Jesus. Do this, and life is yours. But the man was anxious to justify himself, and said to Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Jesus replied, A man was once on his way from Jerusalem to, to Jericho, and fell into the hands of brigands. They took all he had, beat him, and then made off, leaving him half dead. Now a priest happened to be travelling down the same road, but when he saw the man, he passed by the other side. In the same way, a Levite who had come to the place saw him and passed by the other side. But a Samaritan traveller who came upon him was moved with compassion when he saw him. He went up and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on him on them. He then lifted him on to his mount, carried him to the inn, and looked after him. Next day he took out two denarii and handed them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and on my way back I'll make good any extra expense you have. Which of these three do you think proved himself a neighbour to the man who fell into the brigand's hands? The one who took pity on him, he replied. Jesus said to him, 
Go and do the same yourself. So that's the gospel for today for the 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Shane, have you got a thought you might share with us on the, this week's gospel, please? Yeah, I just I, I have to say, Joe, reflecting on the gospel this week, um, in one sense, I thought to myself a very appropriate gospel for the world that we have at the moment. Um, I suppose I was, <clears throat> I was, I was reflecting on this after being at work, and one of the things I do during the day at some stage is that I check the news. Irish people were always very in the news, right? So someone said to me once, well, what, what do you check? And I said, well, I look at this, and I look at that, and I look at the other, and, and this one. And she said, wow, that's a lot of news. I said, well, I said, I, I look at it to try and get as broad a picture as possible because you don't know what biases, you know, news agencies might have. But looking at, looking at it in the last while, the world can be a very scary place. It can be a very frightening, upsetting place because everywhere we look, it's not so much now necessarily that there is conflict and war, although there is that in, you know, with the Ukraine, for example, as, as one example, but even within countries where there is no war, there seems to be this level of aggression and aggro and just genuine society conflict that's there, even at home, even in Ireland. Let's, let's be honest. And there just doesn't seem to be the space where people can find the ground or, or where people can communicate with each other and try to understand the opposing view. It's very much a dimonous kind of scenario, which to a certain extent is exacerbated by... Uh, social media, which I think everyone agrees on. You know, like so Twitter or whatever is a bit of a sewer, depending where you go in it. And you say, okay, Shane, where are you going with this in the gospel? And I said to myself, well, the gospel this week is very much an example of a counter-cultural message that Christianity puts before the world. And it's very much a gospel that we are too familiar with. And because we're too familiar with, we can lose the sense of how radical what Jesus was actually saying is. I think it was it last week, John, or was it the week before we spoke about the Samaritans in the time of Jesus? And the fact that there was such conflict between uh, Jews and Samaritans at the time, and not so much the same same down to the present day, but that conflict is is there, and that Jesus had good work, good relationships with the Samaritans. You know, he was different. So when he put forward this example of the good Samaritan, you know, an expression which has come in the everyday parlance, um. You know, the parable speaks to us in many, many ways, challenges us to ask that question. 
is my neighbor. And what, flow, but what flows from that is, well, what are you supposed to do when you identify your neighbor? You know, the responsibility, the obligation that is on you to care and love for your neighbor is what Jesus is drawing out when he is, um, when he is challenged by this. And, you know, it asks us that question again in our modern world where we see such division and, and yeah, I just, for me this week, John, I, it was just the timing of the gospel. It just, for me, it spoke to the moment. And it's the whole parable, rather than just one line or one, well, I suppose the line that jumped out at me this week, if we were doing our Lexio, is the question, who is my neighbor? And dialoguing with that line from scripture and kind of saying, well, what is the spirit saying to me this week? It just led into this thought process, I suppose, that we're sharing this morning, asking ourselves, where can I fit in to that overall picture? And I suppose the other thing that our podcast listeners will be saying this morning is, well, Sharon, where are you going with this? Okay, yes, that, that's, that's lovely. That's the message of the gospel. But how does that fit into my experience of life? My, you know, what can I do to not to get depressed by everything that's going on in the world. And I suppose my response to that is twofold. First of all, it starts with one person. You know, that whole thing about the butterfly shaking its wings and starting off a typhoon somewhere. You know, there's that, that side of it. But there's also the reality that at the end of the day, we might feel powerless in the face of many things. It's when we decide no matter how limited that action is, that we are responding to that prompting of the divine that is in each of us, that we are engaging with the call that is there from God for us to live out our lives to its utmost fullness. By taking that step or finding that space where we can do something, we feel that we are empowering ourselves to face down the challenges and the difficulties of the world that surrounds us. The challenge for us is when we do that response, is that we listen to what Christ is calling us to do this week and that we don't engage, as Zeitgeist calls us, as a dim in us. That as Christians, we are challenged to respond as Jesus would have called us to do, as he sets out in the parable that is set before us this summer. One of the challenges we often say on the podcast, John, is sometimes it's too familiar. The gospel this week is definitely one of those ones that is it's too familiar. So I would definitely say to listeners this week, you have to sit with it, you have to read it, you have to pray it, you have to go away from it and come back to it and see what way is calling to you this week. For me, as I said, John, it seemed very timely. 
but that's just my just you know that's just the way it works for me this week but again you know the question for me this week was who is my neighbor thank you for that shane thank you very much indeed you know that that last point just reminds me again of something that i come across recently and it was something like um some person came into their mother's garden and started to look at the flowers and was so taken by these flowers and the 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 the, the abundance and the color and the magic of them they decided to take up art and he actually painted the painted the flowers so as he would always have them in front of him to appreciate the goodness of them even though he'd been seen it all the time and he said you know, it's it's a challenge for us always to try and see something new. So when you go into a garden that you've, you've seen so often, the challenge is for us to see it new and then we see its beauty. And it's the same thing with Scripture. As you just said, we'll be looking at this gospel over the years and we think, oh yeah, I know that, and we might miss it. And the challenge is, as you just said, to try to look at it in some way, in a new way, or allow the Spirit maybe to lead us to see it in a new way. Um, just one of the things that, 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 that uh, amongst the other things that you, know, that you said today, and I, I, I agree with them all, one of the things that kind of um, jumped at me a little bit was, I think Father Frank might have mentioned in his notes, and he said, who is the person who God put in front of me to help today? Now, when I hear it that way, then it makes me think a little bit. And I can't just uh, have my biases come into my answer then at this particular stage. And, and you know, I don't like this person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if God says something, then I've got no choice. I, I've, I've really got to do it. So the, the challenge, as you said, for me this week is to, 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 to notice the times that where I'm like the priest or I'm like the Levite in today's parable. And there are times when we're all like that and we, we, we choose to ignore somebody for whatever reason. But if we can maybe go back and, and, and just realize that God put us there and God put that person there with us, then the only way I can get through that is to ask the Holy Spirit to show me how I'm supposed to act in that particular circumstance. I think Father Frank reminds us there in, the, in his lecture notes this week, and he said, the lawyer is the symbol of all of us when we come to God seeking to justify ourselves. We can't do that. God knows us inside out. I might just finish off with, with uh, as I usually do, with, with um, what, what Michael Devertai says this week. And I like it. He said, Lord, we remember with gratitude a time in our lives when we felt beaten up, half dead on the side of the road. Several people travelled down the same road and saw us but passed by on the other side. We thank you, Lord, for that person who came upon us, saw us and was moved with compassion. The person was a Samaritan, but somehow did not seem to matter. All we knew was that our, all we knew was that our wounds were being bandaged and oil and wine poured in them, that we were being lifted up and carried to an inn, where we were being looked after and no one was being inconvenienced. Lord, we thank you for that good Samaritan. Help us to do the same for others ourselves. So that's the gospel for today and the thoughts of myself for Shane as best we can share them with our listeners today. Um, as Shane said... As you just said, John, always with the limitations. <laughs> it's the best we can do. <laughs> yes. But 
we can all just do the same thing, you know, and that's just sit with it, as Shane said. Just listen to the Holy Spirit and, and see see when the Holy Spirit leads us in a possibly new way, you know, and I know that's a challenge because I, I've heard this before and i got this. No, step back and see what comes up. And, uh, and I think from our own experiences from time to time, we'd be surprised that one comes up and speaks to us. But anyway, with that, we'll have to come to the end of our podcast for this week. Uh, thanks again, Shane, for joining me uh, five and a half thousand miles away. Um, well, a, a ch- Do it all again next week. I challenge you again. But in the meantime, we'll go with a piece of music. This one is by Sebastian, and this one is entitled, appropriately enough, Love Your Neighbour. So, so from Shane and myself, until next week, I bless now. Bye. Bye.